Yo, what up podcast? Happy Monday and welcome back to another episode. Today's podcast, uh, I dive into five gardening questions from Cora, um, everything from what to plant in a 10 by 10 garden to natural fertilizers for tomatoes. So um, hope you enjoy. And if you have any other questions about gardening or anything I can do to help you with your season this year, feel free to call into the station or drop me a line on any uh, social channels. I'll be happy to help. Uh, and that's at gardening, the number four gains. Yo, what up, everybody? It's Danny Neth with the Mind Body Garden podcast, and welcome back to another episode. Today is Monday, March 2nd, 2020. Um, and it's so hard to believe that it's already March. Um, seems like this year's flying by like. Really, January took forever, and then February just—it was just like here and here and gone. So, um, good news is, you know, we're here in Ohio. So, if you're in like zone six, seven, um, or actually zone six or zone five, now is uh, still a good time. You know, you're still in a good spot if you want to start a garden. Um, you know, technically, you really shouldn't be starting things like lettuce and spinach until you know, like now or maybe even uh, second half of March. So. Really, I'm way ahead of the game as far as it goes with uh, the leafy green stuff. But, you know, but now's a now's still a good time, whether you want to do your planning, your planting, or just gathering your supplies, now's a perfect time because, you know, even if you got some delays with, uh, with getting some seeds or stuff, you know, you still got about two weeks. So something to keep in mind. Um, but either way, uh, you know, like I said, it's Monday today, so... You know, I think a lot of people kind of like dread Monday. I kind of felt that a little bit this morning. Like when I woke up, I got up just a little bit before my alarm uh, because Twiggy got me up. She had to go outside. So uh, so I started putting all my stuff and then I heard my alarm go off and I was thinking, oh no, I just want to go back to bed for like 10 more minutes. But it was like in that instant, I kind of like realized like, okay, you set your alarm for this time for a reason. You got up before your alarm for a reason. So go ahead and just like follow through with what you wanted to do and then set yourself up for success the rest of the day. And I think that's the biggest thing for, for a lot of people is like when they're setting out on uh, to do something, they, they want it to be like just right, just perfect. You don't want to have like, you know, crusty sleeps, sleep stuff in your eyes. Like when you're going, you want to like wake up bright eyed and bushy tailed. But that's the thing is you're like, you're going to have to work through some of that, um, some of that fatigue and imperfection and it's like finding your way despite the struggles and the imperfection is the best way to get started on your goals. And, you know, it's not going to be like rosy colored skies and, you know, sunshine and rainbows and all that to, when you get started with anything. So just take it one step at a time and, uh, you know, just do it well from, you know, from step one to two, to three, to four, and don't worry about going from step one to 10. So that's my little bit of tidbit. That's my little tidbit of knowledge for the day. Um, but today what I wanted to really get into, um, you know, I had to touch on a little bit of mind, uh, you know, getting into the mind body garden podcast. And, um, other than that, I really wanted to get into like pulling some more, uh, gardening questions and just kind of helping people get prepared for the season. So, um, you know, I've kind of talked about in my podcast, my plans to go, you know, break it up into mind, body, garden. Um, so, you know, I haven't really done that as much, but 
because I focused more on the garden and just trying to get people prepared for, you know, if you want to start a garden or if you kind of just want to follow along and, and see what I'm doing with my garden, you know, growing for my CSA customers, uh, those people getting that crop box every other week full of, you know, fresh produce straight from my garden. But if you want to grow your own fresh produce straight from your garden, um, you know, I would highly recommend it. Recommend it. Uh, it's a great thing to uh, just like a great project to work on with, you know, with whether it's your girlfriend, husband, wife, whatever. Um, it's a really good bonding experience and just like having that fresh vegetable, you know, that fresh garden vegetable taste um, with everything from lettuce to carrots. Carrots from the garden are unbelievable. Um, and even tomatoes, like, you know, eating a tomato sauce with flavor is very strange. So, uh, you know, when you're used to just stuff out from the store or whatever, so would highly recommend that, but that's my goal here is just to kind of help you along that journey. Um, but so let's dive into a couple questions here. And I think what I'm going to do is I'm, you know, just pulling like five gardening questions from Cora. So we're just going to run through that and just see, see what we can come up with. So First question here is, what is the relation of soil texture to store and supply nutrients to plants? So this is a really interesting question, um, and it's something that people don't think enough about. You know, I think especially like in like a normal area like Ohio or like uh, kind of northern states, just wherever there's a little bit better soil structure, you don't think about this kind of thing. But like um, you know, in our area where we actually have a little bit more clay soil, so it's kind of heavy. Um, and so the thing about it, what makes that tough to grow in is that the roots can't penetrate, uh, very well into the soil, you know, it holds water. It doesn't have a lot of like porosity, so there's not very good drainage. It doesn't allow for a lot of like air pockets to form in that soil either. But on the flip side, uh, clay soil is very heavy in nutrients. It's just that like those nutrients are locked up. So that's where you need, um, you know, you can bring in like peat moss. Uh, I used rice hulls, just brought in like general topsoil, um, tilled in, you know, mass from the garden, from leaves, from all kinds of stuff to try to <laughs> try to get the garden at my parents' house, you know, up to par. And, and then, you know, doing that and then incorporating things like compost, um, manure, and and even like humic DG, just something that's going to add carbon to the soil is what's really going to help give it a much better structure and allow for those nutrients to be readily available for the plants. On the flip side of that, you can also have uh, soil that's like very sandy. So if you're thinking like Florida, um, a lot of coastal areas have a lot of you know sandy soil, and that has the exact opposite problem. So nutrients kind of wash through that. Um, you know, roots can probably grow fairly easily in it, but at the same time, then you don't have um, again amending that with compost and with organic matter. That's going to help start to build the soil structure. And then within a healthy soil, there's a balance of not only nutrients, but a basically a whole biological web in the soil of beneficial bacteria, beneficial fungus, and, you know, even beneficial bugs and things like that, you know, nematodes. And there's also pathogenic uh, nematodes, diseases, and fungi that can kill your plants. But 
that's kind of, it's kind of like in your body, you have antibodies and you have germs and, you know, these things kind of work in balance and they fight to, for control and basically, you know, uh, giving those, giving the soil or giving your body healthy inputs and, uh, you know, the right concentration of nutrients is basically what's going to help you fight those things off and provide a very healthy environment for your plants or your body to thrive in. Um, so that's question number one. And then uh, moving on here to question number two, what is a natural fertilizer for tomatoes? So this is kind of an interesting one. And I think that there, there's actually, you know, quite a few, uh, very natural products that you can use. Um, or, you know, if you don't want to call it a product, there's a lot of natural things that you can use. So the biggest thing, you know, right off the top of my head, I would say, um, would be eggshells. Eggshells are great for the garden, um, because they provide calcium and some amino acids for the plants. The problem with eggshells is they do take a little bit, a little while to break down. So if you're plant, you know, doing that early in the garden season, or you put them in, you know, in, in the fall, add that into comp, you know, your compost process, that'll be an easier way to provide a more readily available form of calcium. But, uh, you know, if that's all you've got, it'll still do the job, you know, especially if you like add it into the planting hole or incorporate it into the soil, that'll definitely help it break down, you know, over the season. Another good natural fertilizer for tomatoes would be, uh, Epsom salts. And so if you're not familiar, um, I don't know, I feel like everybody's got Epsom salts laying around their house for whatever reason, but you know, you can just grab it from, uh, from the store, probably the same section as like rubbing alcohol and that sort of thing. Um, but again, that's going to provide a good amount of magnesium and sulfur to the plant. So overall sulfur helps kind of with overall plant health also helps with, um, fighting off some diseases and pathogens. So it's going to provide that sort of protection for the plant, but sulfur is also a secondary macronutrient. So, you know, your plant needs nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium, but it also, the secondary nutrients are, are magnesium, sulfur, and calcium. So tomato plants are, you know, they obviously need a high amount of nitrogen in order to grow, but uh, the calcium and the magnesium is basically what's going to help with the overall plant health, um, flower and bud formation, and eventually fruit formation. So if you're growing tomato, or if you've ever grown tomatoes, I guarantee that you've had a black spot on the bottom of your tomatoes, and that's nothing that you can fix at the time. Um, it, and that is directly related to a deficiency in calcium. So if your plant doesn't have enough calcium, it's not going to send it to the fruits, um, in order to build that cell wall. So calcium, whether it's from eggshells or some other calcium supplement or a, a good well-rounded fertilizer, like the higher bricks, tomato fertilizer, those are, you know, really good options. And something's going to give you a nice, healthy plant that will produce uh, healthy fruit all year round. So and the problem with calcium is that, you know, it's something that has to, it has to be taken up through the plant. So it's not anything that you can spray onto the plant foliar, foliarly. Um, 
you might be able to get some absorption, but calcium flows, you know, basically up through the plant and, you know, the fact of it not going through the plant is basically what's causing that deficiency. So, um, so it's important to get it in the soil early in the season. Um, so again, eggshells would be a great option for that. Just dig, work it into the soil early spring. And then when you plant your tomatoes out after the last frost, um, they should be set and primed for a really healthy, uh, growing season. So moving on to question number three here, uh, what can I plant in a 10 by 10 garden? So a 10 by 10 garden is actually a pretty big plot. Um, you can do a lot with that. So it depends on, <laughs> it depends on what your barrier, like what the borders are around it. So we'll just assume that it's only 10 by 10. Maybe you can access it from one side, one full side. Um, or I, I guess maybe not a lot of people have their gardens, you know, fenced in or anything. So it's just a 10 by 10 plot in the middle of your yard. So first you would plan it out. So what I would do is I would, obviously you have to allow for some walkways so that you can get in there, um, harvest stuff and, and all of that. So either way, you first thing you need to do is identify which way is north and which way is south. All of your tallest plants should go in the north end of your garden. Um, and this will prevent, this will ensure that they get the full amount of sun and prevent them from shading any other plants. So, you know, obviously in the summer, the uh, sun is going to be going mainly overhead, but every other time um, it passes through the sky during the fall, the spring, it's, it's in a more Southern area. So um, if you put tall plants in the Southern portion of your garden, it's going to shade other stuff. So if you have tomatoes there, it's going to shade over your lettuce, yada, yada, yada. So but your shortest plants in the front in the South and then tallest plants in the North. And then basically just need to uh, make sure you've got enough space between whatever you're growing so that you can actually harvest stuff. So I would say you'd probably have like a four foot by, yeah. So you'd have a four foot by 10 foot bed, two, four foot by 10 foot beds. And then that would give you a two, two feet of walking space in between. Um, and then allow you to really pack both of those beds full of whatever you were wanting. So what I would start with is I would plant probably some sweet corn in the back, um, some tomatoes in front of that. That way, both of those plants are going to be growing all season long. You'll be able to harvest from the tomatoes all year. The corn obviously isn't only going to be harvested in the late summer and early fall. And then, you know, kind of stepping up from that, I would go with maybe some cucumbers. Um, so cucumbers, you know, you can probably get a couple rotations in there. So you can do um, maybe cucumbers on one side and then uh, snow peas or green beans or peas or, you know, whatever, whatever kind of like bean or legume that you like to <laughs> like to eat. Um, and then that'll just give you a nice variety and then kind of stepping up from that area. I would obviously throw in some green peppers, some jalapenos and maybe like some poblanos or just something else to, to add some flavor to, to some salsa. Um, Anaheim or not Anaheim, but, uh, cayenne peppers are always a good one just to add a nice kick. And you really only need like one plant and you'll get a ton of peppers from that. 
So stepping up from there, then I would add, I would obviously have a ton of garlic, a ton of onions. Those are, those are great because you can grow it once harvest in the summer and then have that for the rest of the season. Moving up from there, I would have something like Swiss chard, lettuce, spinach, and just a ton of leafy greens. Um, and then also plug in some root crops. So in there, you know, obviously I love carrots, so I would do that. Probably throw in some turnips and maybe just a few beets just for the hell of it. Just And, you know, I don't really eat them or anything, but uh, but maybe I will if I grow some. So really, like, that's that's such a vast amount of veggies that you can actually grow in a 10 by 10 plot. Um, you might have to squeeze some of the, some of those in there and also, you know, think about, think about how much, how many people you're growing for and how much you're actually going to be eating. So, you know, I always talk about planting, planting just a a ton of produce. Um, but I'm also growing for, you know, anywhere between 10 and like 20 to 25 people. So that is a, uh, that's a whole different ball game when you get to that. But if you're only growing for your family, you know, you might want to reconsider before you plant, you know, 12 heads of lettuce all at once. Maybe you only need five, you know, for a week or whatever. So those are some things to be mindful of, but it's definitely easy to get a ton of produce out of a small 10 by 10 plot. So moving on here, um, to question number four, what are you growing in your garden in 2020? So I've kind of talked about this a little bit, but I think it's good to just go back through my plan. So going from, uh, left to right on my garden plan, I've got a bunch of tomatoes, peppers, onions, garlic, and then the peppers include green peppers, um, some jalapenos and maybe one habanero plant moving over. Then, um, that's a little bit more of a focus on the greens, um, or actually no, then we go into cucumbers. We'll have summer squash and really that that'll probably be it for that row at my house. The next row will be carrots lettuce, broccoli, and spinach. And then the final bed will be nothing but potatoes. Um, and then at the end of that, we'll have an herb garden. And then actually I was thinking about re- we have another raised bed. Um, and then we'll probably just do flowers in that. So planning on growing some flowers for our garden, our garden, <laughs> planning on growing some flowers for our wedding. So, um, so we'll plug those in like the, you know, our landscaping and then some of, you know, the other raised bed that we've got, um, out in the yard. So that's about it for the garden of gains. And then I'm also really considering, uh, diving in on a community garden plot with the city of Piqua. And that, that whole plot will basically be, you know, I think it was like an 18 by 60 was the largest that they offered. So that's a huge space. So I'm going to, you know, fill that full. I've probably got like 500 to a thousand seeds, um, of sweet corn. So I really want to load up sweet corn this year for people. I've got a bunch of watermelon cantaloupe and French melons that I want to plant. Uh, Kyla bought me some cool stuff like loofah gourds and Armenian cucumbers. So that, that would be a really sweet place to test all that stuff out. Um, 
my only worry with that is just that, you know, maybe it's not secure or someone's going to be messing with it. So I'm going to, again, I haven't dove into that yet, but got to learn some more. And, uh, and I'm really excited for that. I think that'll be the way that I can actually take my garden way beyond what it is now and into what I want it to be, you know, ultimately in the future. So I think that's about it that I'm growing for the garden. I'm trying to <laughs> trying to run through real quick, but you know, that's a pretty pretty packed uh, plate, you know, there's going to be a lot filling up the crop box all throughout the season. Uh and I I just can't wait for it. So the last question we've got here um uh let's see here. Sorry, there's just so many good ones here that uh, I, I just want to like dive into it. Um, let's see, we'll do a little random search down here. So, the last question that I just found here is, how can I make money from gardening? You know, this is interesting because I kind of uh, entered gardening with the thought, with this thought. Um, to me, you know when I started, started as a salesperson at AM Leonard, I, I just thought it was super interesting that, you know, I'm calling on all these people and they do landscaping for a living. They, you know, are groundskeepers at a university for a living. Um, they own garden centers, they grow produce and sell it at farmer's markets and they make a living like this. And I'm like, how the hell is this possible? And I'm like, okay, I have a garden. There's farmer's markets down the road. <laughs> you know, maybe I can do this myself, but but at the, on the flip side, it was also something where I was, you know, seeing that I didn't have a lot of knowledge about growing and it was something that I really needed to beef up on just so I could actually, you know, present some confidence to my customers. So that's what led me down the rabbit hole of starting to garden. Then once I figured out kind of how to do it, I'm like, okay, maybe I can make some money by doing this, growing some specialty plants or something. Um, so it took me a while to actually get to the point where I was making money with my garden, but first, first time, or I guess the first attempt was two years ago. And that's when I started the crop box. So I did it in the, you know, with the business model of the CSA, which is, uh, short for community supported agriculture. Uh, typically within CSA, you will pay ahead of the season for, a designated number of, you know, subscription boxes of fresh produce. So my goal was to provide people with, you know, at least bi-weekly boxes of fresh produce. But, uh, I think we ended up with more than more than that. So that's the good thing. So I think that people got more than their value, but I also wasn't as on top of it with my planning and scheduling things out like I am this year. So in the past, I would just like plug everything you know, get 72 heads of lettuce planted all at once. And, you know, then that bit me in the ass. So this year it's much more dialed in, but, but the CSA is definitely one way of doing it. Um, another way that I did it is when I had, you know, extra fresh produce, I would just charge people, um, you know, per box per week or whatever. So, you know, if Joe Schmo was interested in one, you know, he'd get a box and it would be, basically the same cost. So if it was like 250 for 
10 boxes, um, it would be 25 bucks or 20 bucks or, you know, just depending on kind of like how much I had, but that's another thing I'm kind of exploring this year is doing more of like an a la carte style and just not trying to lock people into a subscription. I, I don't think that, I think that people kind of want to test things out. They don't, um, necessarily want to dive in on stuff. So, and I completely get that, you know, you gotta be more, you gotta be customer centric, regardless of, you know, how hard it is to be a farmer and plan your growing operation, you've got to think about people. So that's one option. Um, you know, I'm basically doing all my marketing on Facebook and Instagram, um, social media, YouTube, and just kind of word of mouth. And, you know, it's such a small business that it's a lot of people that like me or Kyla work with, but you know, but it's a start and that's how you start like every business with friends and family and, uh, and, and you just see if there's a need and figure out how to do it better and best and scale it up. So this year, you know, obviously the CSA we're we can, we're offering the weekly options. Um, you can also sell starter plants, uh, vegetables, you know, don't have to be, you don't have to be licensed to sell vegetable plants. I don't believe I'll have to double check that for the state of Ohio, but, um, but you know, so selling starts, veggie starts is another thing that, uh, that I really want to do more of this year. Um, and I, I think that you can sell them just as long as you have it labeled with the actual, like the Latin name and species and all that stuff. So, um, so I'm going to be selling starter plants this year, peppers, tomatoes, um, and then selling them in packs as well. So having a salsa pack, having a pickle pack, um, you know, salsa have onions, it'll have tomatoes, it'll have jalapeno and, you know, it maybe have some garlic or something like that. So, um, and then for the pickle pack, you know, obviously you have cucumbers, we'll have garlic, garlic, um, and then also dill. So, you know, I'm going to be working on all these different options, kind of getting this menu, you know, out there for people to look at, but, but that's another option. So selling plants, kind of getting creative with how you're kidding it up or mark, you know, packaging those things. And then, you know, another very traditional way of going about it is just doing a farmer's market. So farmer's markets have kind of exploded in the last couple of years. And I think people really want to get back to knowing who is growing their food, how they're growing it. And, and just making sure that they're, um, you know, kind of supporting local food, local entrepreneurs or growers, farmers, whatever. So, um, so that's a great way to get out there meet people and, you know, really get an idea of, you know, what their thoughts are of, of your produce, you know, right there from their faces. So, so that's a great way to do it. Um, the downsides are just the time it takes. Uh, you know, you got to think about transporting and packing all this stuff up when it's extremely hot, um, keeping your produce looking good, you know, throughout the morning or how, whatever time frame it runs. So there's really a lot of like post-harvest care and stuff that goes into that. So that's why I like the crop box. I can just really harvest stuff and get it to people immediately. So, um, so I don't know. Those are, the, those are a couple, you know, quote unquote, easy ways to, uh, to make some money from gardening. But, uh, but basically I think it all just kind of comes down to what do you want? So if you want to grow for a farmer's market, you know, you'll feel that you'll feel that pull that you want to go and do that. If you, um, just want to grow for yourself and just have fun and don't give a shit about making money, then just do that because it's a lot of fun. Um, 
you know, I think that when you put money into any equation, it adds a little bit of stress, but you know, this year I feel a lot better about it again, you know, dialing it in with a plan. Um, and then just having it backed up by experience is really the biggest thing. So, you know, with anything, you just got to stick with it. You know, if you believe in it, if you love it, you know, you'll make it happen regardless of what people say or what, uh, your conventional wisdom is telling you, you can make it happen. So, Hope you enjoyed this podcast and hope you have an awesome Monday. Uh, It's feeling like it's going to be another great week to crush it and, uh, you know, really can feel spring in the air. It's 50 degrees here, so we're just hoping that uh, we're on the upswing from towards spring. But I hope you have a hope you have an awesome Monday. Thanks for listening in. And as always, I appreciate it.